You guys made it. You did it. 8 a.m. service after a holiday. Good job. Congratulations. You did it. The haze that was over all the neighborhoods this morning was pretty incredible, wasn't it? Can I get an amen? Oh, my goodness. I woke up, and I'm like, well, there's not a cloud in the sky, and yet my entire neighborhood is caked with foggy haze. So uh, I don't know about you, but I had fireworks, you know, sounding until a little bit, I don't know, I fell asleep around midnight, so I don't know when that got over in your neighborhood, but I thought, man, praise God, and this morning is just like, uh, I've been praying to Jesus for some breeze, can I get an amen? Some breeze in here. And I'm asking God, like, it's one of those mornings where you breathe in mist and you breathe out water, right? So uh, we're going wor- to work, we're going to do our best in the scriptures, and uh, we're going we're gonna to see all that God has for us in the midst of what could be a fairly humid morning. So God is good, let's pray, and uh, we'll dig into the word. Father, thank you so much for this time, this opportunity, Lord, that we have to glorify you, Jesus, and to see how all of the scriptures point to you, your work on the cross, your resurrection from the dead, your salvation of wicked, undeserving sinners like us. And God, we thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you for this word from King David this morning. Psalm 27, God, is for us. It is for us. And it's right on time. And God, I'm asking that you would bless your word. Lord, it's all about your message. It's not about the messengers. It's not about our charisma. It's not about our talents. It's not about our abilities. God, it's about your message. People change when they meet the message of salvation. People's lives get changed when they meet Jesus. And Lord, I pray that Jesus would be seen in big ways this morning. God, thank you for the opportunity to sing together and now to worship you in the word together. Bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. So Psalm 27 is for you and me this morning. Okay? And and David wrote it. King David wrote Psalm 27. And the center of Psalm 27 is verse 4 and verse 8. So if you are looking to mark up your Bible or highlight your Psalm 27, I want you to go ahead and circle or highlight verse 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. If you skip down to verse 8, it says, God, you have said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, O Lord, do I seek. David says in Psalm 27 that he is searching after and seeking one thing. That is so refreshing to read, amen? It's so good. Because how many of you can just focus on one thing? How many of you are just like, yeah, I'm good. I got one thing. No, you've got a hundred things going on in your life, right? You've got 10,000 distractions because you're doing church in a tent, right? And a lot of times when you do church in a tent, you're like, come on, pastor, keep my attention for more than five minutes. Let's try this for a second. And David says, one thing I've asked for, one thing I'm seeking after. And by God's grace, that is refreshing to us this morning. 
because we want to seek so many other things. And David says, no, church, what you need this morning is to seek after one thing, and that is the presence of God. It's very simple. Now, we need Psalm 27 because our world is super negative and dark these days. Can I get a social media amen? I mean, it is dark and dark and negative and negative. And then when we go with the darkness and the negativity, we'll get a fresh scoop of darkness and negativity tomorrow morning. And you may even get a fresh dose of negativity and darkness today, this afternoon. You might even go seeking after it on your phones. But Psalm 27 is good for us because we live in a super negative and dark and sinful world. And the world, this is the craziness of the world. The world believes that darkness can drive out darkness. Okay, you see what I'm saying? All right, you picking up with what I'm putting down here? The, the world believes that if we just throw more darkness and more negativity onto darkness, then darkness can be cast out. There's only one thing. The Bible says the exact opposite of that. The Bible says that the only way darkness can be driven out is through the light of God and his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible says that sin cannot drive out sin. So, this morning, i got to ask you, are you trying to drive out the wickedness of our world with your own set of wicked sin? For some of you, you're like, I'm just going to get angry at the world. So you're going to drive sin out with sin. You're going to try to drive darkness out with darkness. You're going to try, to try to move the world into a better place by actually sinning against the very place you're trying to minister to. Jesus said that doesn't work. Jesus in Luke eleven seventeen that he says that darkness can't drive out darkness. The answer for our lost world is the answer that is found in Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? That's where the answer is found. Jesus is the only answer, and specifically seeking God through Jesus. That's the answer for our world. It's the one thing we need to seek this morning as a church. Kanye West says, <laughs> Kanye West says that the strong start seeking God on Sunday. Amen? The strong person starts to seek God on Sunday. And if you haven't listened to his Jesus is King album, you, you best needs to so you can hear him say that. And I agree with Kanye. The strong don't start their week on Monday. They start their week on Sunday morning. Amen. Where are you going to get the fuel for your week? You're going to come and seek after God and find God through Jesus in the church house. All God's people said, Amen. Jesus said it himself in Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. In a dark world, people need the light of God. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world in John 8. The world is pointing you one way. And my question for you this morning is, is God counterpointing you toward himself? 
Just the other day, we had a conversation about this in one of my discipleship groups where we were talking about our world and the craziness of it. And we were having coffee. Justin Einerson was there and some other guys were there. B-Song was there. And we're talking about, hey, here's the perspective. Here's the craziness of our world. And I said, well, what, where are you getting into God's word for the counterpoint? Right? Because there's the point and then there's the counterpoint. God's word has answers for us today. Amen? Come on now. The Bible has answers for us today. It's called his truth. And whenever we get inundated with points and points, and here's all the stuff, and here's all everything that's wrong, we got to get the counterpoint. Where are you going to get the counterpoint from? From the word of God. From seeking after God and finding him in Christ. So before you jump to conclusions about seeking God, you might be like, well, pastor, I seek God, kind of. I mean, I, I sort of am seeking God with my life. Here's, here's the thing about seeking God in Psalm 27. It is counterintuitive. It is countercultural to seek God. And it is against or counter to our natural impulses. Our natural impulses are just to skip our Bible reading for like 5,000 days. That's our natural impulses. Our natural impulses is like, I'm good. I know the Jesus thing. I gave my life to Christ at VBS and I'm fine. You're not fine, okay? You're not fine. I don't care when you got saved. You need to seek the Lord in his word today, right? And in order to seek God in his word through Christ, you're going to have to go counter flesh, counter culture, and you've got to get in front of God and seek him. So what does seeking God look like in Psalm 27? Here's what it looks like. Verse 4. One thing I have asked of the Lord and I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To seek after God is to dwell with God. And David said, I want to dwell with the Lord. That's what it means to seek after the Lord. The Hebrew word dwell there means to sit or to stay, or remain. So David's like, here's what seeking God looks like. I'm going to sit in God's dwelling place. You know what we humans are bad at doing? Sitting. <laughs> We're bad at sitting, right? All the parents, can I get an amen in the tent? All the parents like, hey, sit, sit. Like, you're, like your church experience is like, I have no idea what Josh even said during the sermon, because I was so busy looking at my kids saying, sit down, sit right now, sit, we're going to talk later, sit, you're going to get a spanking, sit, 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 and the kids are just like, I'm running. <laughs> Can I get a little kid amen? Can I get something? So we as, we as adults, we're not much better in our souls. We grow up, we meet Jesus, we, we become Christians, and then as, as, as grown-up believers, we're really good at staying busy. What is your number one response to people when they say, how are you doing? All right, I'm going to guess that the word busy is somewhere in your response. Can I get an amen? How are you doing, Josh? Man, I am so busy right now. I'm just busy. Because you don't know what else to say to somebody in a social context. You're like, I don't even know what else to say to you. I'm busy. I've got so many things going on. We don't do well at just sitting in the presence of God. 
But if we're going to seek God, according to Psalm 27, we have to dwell. We have to sit in the presence of God. We also have to wait on the Lord. You can see it in verse 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. The word wait in verse 14 means to look eagerly for, to anticipate. So when you see waiting on God, that's not a passive, lazy process. That is a very active process where we as believers are waiting on God. What are you going to do next? It's an eager anticipation of the mind and of the heart. And if you want to seek God, you have to wait for him. What else do you got to do? You have to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Verse 4 in order to seek God, you got to gaze upon God. And that, that word literally means to stare at. You have to stare at the beauty of the Lord. If you're a believer and you're going to seek God, you got to stare at him. What does that mean? Well, think of it this way. When you see somebody young and in love, how do they often look and talk? If you see somebody young and in love, you see somebody that's like, oh, I just love so-and-so. And you say, how do you know you love so-and-so? Because we just stared at each other all night. And all people who have been married for some time, you say, give me a break. Staring at nobody. But when you're young and in love, you just stare at each other. You get pictures up everywhere. You, you plaster the image of the person you love everywhere. And you just gaze upon them. And that gazing becomes romance. And that romance becomes marriage. And then in marriage, you often lose it. Can I get an amen? Okay. But in order to, to, to seek after God, you have to gaze at God. You have to look at God. You have to spend time with God. You have to be in love with God, which means your eyes need to be fixed on the Bible and upon Jesus Christ. The eyes of your heart need to find Jesus. You also need to inquire in his temple. If you're going to seek after God, David says he was inquiring in the temple. And the word inquire there means to meditate. He was, he was meditating upon God in the temple of God. And so in order to seek God, you got to be able to meditate. You got to be able to think about. Now think about this. You're like, what, what, do I, what do you mean meditate? How do I meditate upon God? Well, what are you meditating on now? You're meditating on a lot of things. Your mind races towards something and then dwells on it. That's called meditation. And in order to seek God, you have to inquire of him. You've got to meditate upon him. On top of that, you've got to be confident in him. Verse 3, though a war rise against me, yet I will be confident. Verse 14, let your heart take courage. If you're going to seek God, you've got to be confident in God. You have to be bold and secure in God. And you have to be bold and secure in God when there's a crowd around you telling you that you shouldn't be bold and confident in God. 
So you got to have faith. You got to have courage. You got to sit in God's presence. You got to wait for him. You got to gaze at him. You got to inquire of him. And you need that to seek God. So how are you doing this morning with seeking God in your life? How are you doing sitting and waiting and having confidence and gazing and looking and meditating? How are you doing? Our country needs to seek God. Do you agree? Amen? Our country needs to seek God. Our church needs to seek God. Our neighborhoods need to seek God. But we only do that when we seek him in this way. So you might come to the question, well, when am I supposed to seek him? You, you lay all this stuff out, pastor. When am I supposed to seek God? Well, I think we're going to see three circumstances this morning of when we're supposed to seek God as the answer to our soul's need. And I'm going to run through these quickly for you, okay? Seeking God is the answer when fear hits. Seeking God is the answer when fear hits. Look at verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David all right, tells us about fear. And he says, hey, fear is a real thing in my life. And because God is my light, my salvation, whom shall I fear? David had a lot of fear in his life. Okay, the word fear there in verse one, it means to be afraid, to be dreadful, or to be terrified. When was the last time you were terrified? I mean, like terrified. Ah! You know, like that. When's the last time you were feeling terrified in your life? That's the word. Some of you have a terrifying feeling, but it's more quiet and it's unsettling in your soul. I would say that fear has gripped our nation and our culture in almost every area of our culture. Can I get a coronavirus? Amen. Like fear just runs like every single, um, like, title, every single headline is fear-based. If I see the headline, Corona Spike, one more time, I'm going to just be like, this is, I just, I don't know how to respond to this, right? Is anybody else with me here as you're reading all these headlines? You're like, I don't know. What else is going to get canceled? Just waiting for the next ball to drop. Thank you, 2020. Like you're just waiting and there's fear and there's fear and there's fear. And can we do this? Can we do that? I don't know. And some of that is just straight up wisdom because we should be thinking through this. Some of it's straight up fear because nobody wants to lead or it's going to be very difficult. And so I want to be balanced in what I'm saying, but fear is a real thing in scripture. People can be devoured by fear and fear in scripture, it tells us that we should look at everything that can go wrong, right? That's when fear comes in. When we say, hey, what can go wrong? What can go wrong? What can go wrong? I bet you this is going to go wrong, and this is going to go wrong, and this is going to go wrong, and this is going to go wrong. Have you ever ran into a this can go wrong person in your life? Are you the this can go wrong person in your life, right? Where when you look at stuff, all you see is the fear. Fear hits us at the worst times. Can I get an amen on that? Man, like fear hits us at the worst times possible times, and it allows us, it tells us that we should focus on what can't be done. The answer to fear, 
when we are afraid, and it is a when we are afraid. Psalm 56 verse 1 says, when I am afraid, I'll put my trust in you. It's normal to be fearful, but what you do with that fear is a big deal. But we have to seek God when fear enters into our life. We have to seek the one thing David told us to seek. Because seeking God, gazing upon his beauty, dwelling in his presence, that is the answer to the fear that we feel. We, when we seek God, he becomes the light and the salvation and the stronghold of our lives. David was seeking after God, and all of a sudden, God became to him salvation. David was seeking God, and all of a sudden, God became to him a stronghold. Seeking God through Christ, sitting, waiting, being confident, having faith, that is what will cast out the fear in your life. So how do you get rid of the fear, church? How do you get rid of your fear this morning? Seek God, amen? If you seek God, your fear will dissipate. If you seek God, you won't freeze. You won't think about the things that are going to go wrong. You will think about God. 1 John 4.18 says, Perfect love casts out fear. And Paul said it this way in 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. So seeking God is the answer when fear hits our lives. Secondly, seeking God is the answer when enemies rise. Verses 2 and 3 of Psalm 27 talk about the enemies. When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. David had enemies. You guys have enemies? You got enemies, people? Come on, yes, you do. Everybody's got enemies. When evildoers assail me, to eat up my flesh. That doesn't sound like a rosy picture. Right? When you got people wanting to, to devour your flesh, that literally means to burn you up. Like people are trying to burn David up. Burn him to the ground. David has enemies. He's got adversaries. And then in verse 3, he's got a whole army encamping around him. Now, I don't know if you've ever had an army around you, like you with our army around you wanting to kill you. But David is in that place and he's looking at his enemies and he's saying, what is the answer when my enemies are running against me and surrounding me? David's answer is church. The answer to the enemy problem is seeking after God in his temple, in his presence. And all God's people said, that's weird. That's weird. Why wouldn't you just go fight him, David? Why don't you just go take him down? Because David knows that in order to defeat your enemies, when they, your enemies rise up, the answer is to seek after God. You have enemies. I have enemies. Jesus himself had enemies. And the answer to our enemies is that we have to seek after God. We have to sit in his presence, wait on him, be confident in him. God is bigger than your enemies. He's stronger than your enemies. And he's able to defeat your enemies. So when enemies rise, we got to seek the Lord. We have to admit that we're powerless against their opposition. When I was in high school, I had, I had some enemies in high school, as many of you probably did. 
And I had enemies surrounding my life. In fact, I was pinned up against a wall like this. And I had six guys around me wanting to beat my face in. And I was like, well, I can take one of them, but I don't know I could take the second guy or the third guy or the fourth guy or the fifth guy or the sixth guy. And I began to look around for all my friends. Where were my friends? Where were my friends? Gonzo people, that's where they were. I'm looking around my coward friends. Where are they at? So I'm looking at a very difficult place. I'm surrounded by enemies. And then what do you do in that moment? Well, I didn't even know Jesus at the time, but I was crying out to God. I'll tell you what, as a pagan high school kid, I was like, I don't know what's going to happen here. This is going to be bad. All, the next thing I knew is that my hero, my principal, <laughs> there was like 60 kids in the hallway, and all of a sudden my principal, I could hear the door open, and I could hear his voice. And I'm like, hallelujah, the chariots of deliverance are coming my way. And he was a former uh, college football player. He had a brother that played in the NFL. He comes, he starts clearing kids out, throwing elbows, pushing kids out of the way. And in that moment, I discovered that when my enemies rise, I have to seek my principal. Amen? (laughs) Give me a hug, Mr. Principal. Oh, that's so nice. Safety. But it's a silly illustration to, em- to emphasize the truth, you can't defeat your enemies, and neither can I. We're not strong enough to defeat our enemies, but guess who is? God. Amen? God. David is pointing us to God. God is strong enough, and when we seek him, our enemies will fall. But we have to seek him. And finally, we have to seek God as the answer when the struggle is real. And this is in verse 9 and 10. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. Oh, you who have been my help, cast me not off, forsake me not. Oh, God of my salvation, for my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. This is a a really vulnerable moment for David in this psalm. He is asking God to not forsake him. Don't leave me, Lord. Carry me. Carry me through this situation. Now, what was going on with David? Well, he wanted to quit. I mean, he wanted to stop being a Christian. He wanted to stop, you know, following because he didn't have the strength to do it on his own. So therefore, he said to God, don't leave me alone. That's what we have to pray. God, don't leave me. God, if you leave me right now, I'm not going to make it. That's what you and I have to pray as followers of God. We have to seek after God to say, God, if you're not my strength, I'm not going to make it. And what else does David deal with? He's dealing with a father and mother that have forsaken him. He's dealing with family members that aren't treating him well, not supporting him in the middle of his crisis David is dealing with a mom and a dad who aren't around anymore. And and I just described many of your situations in your life. Mom and dad aren't around. God, I I don't know what else to do. I'm I'm leaning on you, but I, I want to quit. And the people that should be there for me, they're not around there for me right now. Could it be that America's key to revival 
Is loving and consistent parenting, by the way, just a side note. Could it be that the, the key to revival in our country is mom and dads who are in the house, amen, amen. pouring God's word and his truth and his love and his faithfulness into our kids? That's a side note, but here's the, here's the note. David wanted to give up. Have you ever wanted to give up sometimes? I mean, have, hasn't 2020 made you just want to throw in the towel on life? Like, seriously, there's nowhere else to move on this planet or else I would move there. Because you just want to quit. You want to give up. And this is the moment when we want to give up and the struggle is real. This is when we need to seek God for deliverance. You can't do this by yourself. And that's what David was saying. He's like, Lord, don't forsake me. Help me continue. Help me to keep going. Help me to keep seeking your face. David had faith in future grace. That God was going to show up. The author of Hebrews said the same thing in Hebrews 13, 5, when he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Church, you know what the good news is? When you want to give up, Jesus won't leave you or forsake you. Can I get an amen? Christians covered by the grace of God in the greatest, the greatest hope and the greatest news in the world is that Jesus loves you. He died for you. He rose again for you. And he won't give up on you. Praise God. Our faith sometimes is just like a hope and a prayer some days. Where we're just like, Jesus, I'm, I, I don't feel it. I want to quit. I want to be done. But I know you resurrected from the dead. And I need you to carry me through this thing. What's your thing right now? What's your thing that Jesus is going to have to carry you through? What are you seeking him for? Jude 24 and 25 says this, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. To our only God and Savior be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. The answer that we need in our lives is to seek God. We need to seek God through Jesus Christ. When our enemies rise and when fear hits us and when the struggle is real, we need to see Jesus and pursue him. So church, I just want to close the sermon by telling you this morning that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He has paid for your sins and for mine. And if you believe in him by faith, seeking his face is your answer this morning. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, the Bible says that you will go to hell when you die. You will spend eternity apart from God's grace, apart from his presence. And right now, you're going to keep seeking after what the world says and you won't find any joy or satisfaction in that and then you will die and miss eternity, eternal life as well. Acts 10.43 says this, that he has commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one appointed by God to be judge over the living and the dead, to him, Jesus, all the prophets bear witness and everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Let's pray. God, you're good. Psalm 27 is for us, Lord. 
You're calling us to seek your face. You're calling us to seek hard after you. Lord, when fear hits our lot, when enemies rise in our lives, when the struggle, Lord, is real, God, when all these different situations that David is dealing with, God, you are calling us to seek you. Oh, God, give us the ability to sit in your presence. Give us the ability to gaze at your beauty. Give us the ability and the humility to know that we can't win these battles but you can, God. In Jesus Christ, you can win these battles. And so, Lord, for believers this morning, I pray that you would encourage them, strengthen them to not seek after worldly ways to win the war. But God, may we as Christians seek hard after your face to see you work a great deliverance in our lives. And God, if there's even one person here this morning who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, Lord, I pray that you would open their eyes, help them to see the light of salvation available to them through Jesus. And I pray that this morning, this would be the morning they put their faith and their trust in Christ. Lord, move in our hearts as we close in Jesus' name.